0: The show started with a bang. Well, actually, it didn't start necessarily with a bang, more like a birth, and it started with a bit of a mystery to, to, to attempt to understand how the people were connected, okay? It is the show, This Is Us, starring Milo Ventimiglia. I love saying that. Italian names are so much fun. Milo Ventimiglia. Milo Ventimiglia. Bianchi. Borgiono. At any rate, also you have Mandy Moore and Chrissy Metz and Justin Hartley and Sterling Brown and Susan Watson and Chris Sullivan and Ron Jones, and and you quickly realize that these seemingly unconnected pieces are related, and there are these dramatic storylines. They are all family. The series does a fair amount of time travel going back and forth, you know by the clothing and the age of the actors which scene you are in. And these scenes, these, these stories of redemption, of profound disagreements, of challenging plot lines, of addiction, of disappointment, of death, of life, adoption, of birth. This is us. My favorite episode, I haven't watched them all. They usually make me cry, okay? Sometimes they make me mad. Like when you see the ones where their relationships are going south. you're like, seriously, don't do that. Put your family first. Come on, you're killing me. But my favorite episode is when Sterling Brown's character, Randall, takes his biological father William, on a cross-country trip before he dies, and that one really made me cry. (laughs) Just like a mess at the end of that episode. This is us, a story of a family played out on screen. Romans chapter twelve verses four through eight is where we find ourselves to be page 948, if you're willing to open a Bible. If you're not willing to open a Bible, that's cool. Or maybe not. You could listen along. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, So this segment, Paul really starts off and in essence is saying, if you want to understand how this thing called the body of Christ, if you want to understand how this thing called the church, how the people of God, a bunch of different interchangeable names that we've used at Timberwood Church to describe people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ as their common core. If you want to understand this thing, just just look at your body and think about how your body works. And you will understand this thing called the kingdom of God, how the the church, the people of God, those who follow Jesus Christ work. There is this unity, but they are not all the same. And to be sure, it would be unfortunate if everyone in this room were a nose or a nose hair. But Paul says the body of Christ is like the human body. And before we press this too far, there is probably not a one-to-one correlation, So I wouldn't necessarily walk up to you and say, oh, you're the nose hair of the body of Christ. But within the body of Christ, the overall imagery of many parts, many functional responsibilities. Some are stronger. Some are more delicate. Some need more protection, think the brain. Some are at the point of where the body meets the world, think the skin. But it's this notion of body life, this comparison of something that is known, how our bodies function, to something that is a bit of a mystery. The body of Christ, the church, the people of God. And Paul says, here's an everyday example of what this thing looks like and how it should function. And as we are wont to do at Timberwood Church, we ask questions. So the questions we have... What role do we play in the body? What role do you play in the body? What role do I play in the body? Maybe a better question, do I play a role in the body? A better question for you, do you play a role in the body? Have you thought about the role that you could play? Have I thought about the role that I could play? Is there a balance In my understanding or my attitude towards this thing called the church, is there a balance or a distinction between consumption and participation? Do I come to the body of Christ? Do I come to the church with this anticipation that something is going to be done for me and for me alone? Or do I come with a notion of, no, I will both receive something but also participate in something? And before we rip consumption too bad, do we consume in the body of Christ? Do you take advantage, not in a bad way, but do we take advantage of the grace of God, of the community of faith? See, I think there's a, there, there's a dividing line here, right? That some people would say, well, if all you are is a consumer, that that's bad. Which I would agree, if that's all you do is consume. And likewise, if all you do is participate, I would also say that that's bad. I would say there's a balance. There's a balance between consumption and participation. Consuming the realities and the importance of being a part of something, of being interrelated and participating in the same Now, a couple thoughts on all of this in which we spend most of our time is the context of the whole discussion is based on the notion that we're a follower of Christ. If a person is not a follower of Christ, then Jesus makes the argument, not here, in other places, that we are not a part of his body. So this text and many other texts make a whole lot more sense when we understand this. We take this list that Paul gives, and we're not going to go through the list in detail. If you flip over your sermon notes quick, there's the list there. With theologically precise, actually, working definitions of maybe what these gifts mean. We take the list that Paul gives. We take the one that caused the most anxiety. Say, let's look at the one called on money or giving. Did you see the article in the New York Times last week? It's about millennials and and the uh, uptick in um, uh, legal services offered to millennials because they want more prenups. A couple of different reasons why the article said, one, um, they are are entering marriage um, with more assets, therefore more to protect. And number two, they saw their parents get divorced and so they're afraid. At any rate, money is one of those things that causes us anxiety. We want to protect it. It's ours and all those types of things. And yet Paul describes an attitude towards money in which we ought to give. And for someone who is not a follower of Jesus Christ, this seems really, really odd. Why would I give my money away? And one might even argue, if you're not a follower of Christ, there is no expectation that you would give to the needs of the body of Christ, to the church. But see, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a part of a church community, if you are here this morning and you would say, Jesus is my Savior, well, then it becomes a very natural thing to think in terms of, how can I give to support the body of Christ? And it would be a very natural thing to think, wow, am I giving right now at a level that reflects the priority that I place on being a part of the body of Christ? Or is it something less than that? And if I'm a follower of Christ and I don't give at all, it would seem to be reasonable that when Paul, in this instance, challenges me to give, I would rise to that challenge. See, being a part of the body changes the complexion of how we understand this list of gifts and how we respond to them. A couple other thoughts. The body is incredibly resilient, yet incredibly fragile. I've had this discussion often with a friend of mine who's a cardiologist, how, how intensely resilient the human body is, yet how incredibly fragile, and how interrelated really the human body is. And if you've ever been in pain, you know this. Earlier this week, Monday, I'm on a bike ride, and I do this sweet little ride where I go up Sunset, and then I get on train, and then Ranchette to Woodman to Ackerson, and I come home on the trail. And I'm two-tenths of a mile away from home, and, and I'm turning onto to one of the final streets to make it into my driveway, and there is a delivery truck. Okay. Okay. Parked at the end. And, and, and he's really not in a bad spot. He's not in the best spot. Okay. But it's not his fault. Okay. And, and so I adjust my line ever so slightly, lean into the corner, which I've done a million times before. Well, not a million times. And my front tire hits a small segment of sand. About eight inches long, about two inches wide. Bam. <laughs> Now, if you've been with me at all this week, you've seen my butt a couple different times. I I, I think if I show it to you this morning, I would get fired. So I'm not going to do that. Okay, but there's something that's about this big right here, and something underneath here that still weeps and just hurts. And it's not just those two spots, it's the entire body. Yet I survived this crash, something between 15 and 20 miles an hour, and walk away from it. Incredibly resilient the human body is, yet also incredibly fragile. And how the parts are interrelated and how when one part hurts, the whole is affected. Have you ever reflected on the fact that you are a part of a church, this church, the local church, if you're a follower of Christ? And how this church is incredibly resilient, yet incredibly fragile. Now, to be sure, most healthy human bodies have a certain resistance to intentionally causing themselves harm. You might ask, well, then why do you ride a bike? But when it comes to the body of Christ, do we think in these terms? Do we think in terms of, if I do this, it will cause harm to my body? Some of us have problems with the substances we put in our bodies and the amount of substances we put in our bodies. Sometimes those are physical substances, liquid substances. Sometimes those are pills. Sometimes they're the things that we allow ourselves to view or listen to. When we think about our own body, do we think in terms of the harm that is caused by the things that we do to it? And likewise, As the church, as the body of Christ, do we evaluate our actions, not in totality, but in part, on what they do to the larger body? Do we think, if I do this, it will cause harm to the body of Christ? And the last thing that I would want to do is cause harm. To the body of Christ. Why? Because Christ is everything. It's this mystical connective tissue. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. Paul starts this whole segment with this notion of the grace given to me. We talked about this last weekend. We are in Christ Apart from Christ, we, have very, we would not be in this room together if it were not because of Jesus Christ. To put it another way, because of Jesus Christ, we are in this room together. We are in Christ. It is the connective mystical tissue that draws us together. And it's a mystery that unites And it's a mystery that reflects the reality of I influence you and you influence me, me, whether we know it or not. Do I embrace the role that I play with increasing devotion to the cause of Christ? That would be a great question for you to reflect upon. Do I embrace the role I play with increasing devotion to the cause of Christ? to his body, this thing that is made up of the people of God, both at a local level as well as a global level, both in terms of the here and now, as well as the mystical reality of of being united with the great cloud of witnesses who have lived and yet will live? Do I embrace that reality with increasing devotion? that because I am united by Christ, because I am united because of Christ, there is a connection that exists between us that transcends our physical existence. The list. The list of gifts. They're in the back of the outline for you. And truth be told, you and I look a little different. I don't have the same gifts as you do. And there has been much ink spilt on the whole study of spiritual gifts, and I think wisely so. It's good to reflect on these things. What is your spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? What could your spiritual gifts be? Do they change? Do they tweak over time? And the simple reality is that you might be better at some things than I am, and I might be better at other things than you are. And celebrating that fact... So many times in the church, if someone's good at something, we're like, we either elevate it too much or we get jealous. And we miss the reality that that we are all different and that we can celebrate the goodness of how God uses us and uses me as a partner in his kingdom, in his body. And there is a delight in challenging one another a delight in learning from one another, a delight in being on this team, the winning team. But please understand, the metaphor is not our body, but Christ's body. And so the challenge is not in the way that I am, but no, in light of the call of Jesus on my life, this is who I was and this is what I have become. I think there's also a reality that the list here is not exhaustive. And just because I am not good at something doesn't mean that I shouldn't attempt to play in that area. For instance, prayer is not on the list. Does that mean we shouldn't pray? No, far from it. And for some of us, we would say, oh, it's someone else's responsibility to give, someone else's responsibility to lead, someone else's responsibility to teach, someone else's responsibility to serve, because I'm not good at that. And that causes a little bit of frustration to the body. There's lots of stuff that I'm not good at. But there's work that needs to get done. And sometimes the perfect person for the job is someone who is not so good at doing it. And through that experience, something powerful is realized, that working in the body, working for the body, working in concert with the body produces amazing results. Why? Because it's not about us, it's about Christ. Christ is everything. And so I would make the argument that all of us are called to serve, and all of us are called to lead, and all of us are called to give encouragement, and all of us are called to give And all of us are called to be merciful because, again, Christ is all, and Christ is the example. So I don't know if you've seen the show This Is Us. I don't know if you've been attracted by the storyline. I don't know if you've wept like I've wept. But the storyline is reflective of the realities that we experience as the body of Christ, there are these times of great success and times of great pain. These times of opportunity and these times of poor choice. And the storyline creates this sense of what will happen next, which to be sure is something that is absent when we talk about the body of Christ The end is not unknowable. The end is not uncertain for those who are in Christ. The reality of who we are in the context of what Christ did gives us all that we need to know, gives us the only example that matters, and gives us a passion not only to fuel the role that we play, but share the excitement as we declare this is us. Please pray with me. In the quietness of the moment, Allow the spirit to speak to your soul. Reflecting on the role that you play in his body. Reflecting on the role you could play in his body. inviting God to do what only the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, can do. Lead us to a place of increasing devotion with all that we have to his body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.